Hi, welcome to the Dartarian Show. I'm Alexander Dartarian. And I'm Dominic Sykes. And today we're going to talk about a serial killer. Now, we've already done John Wayne Gacy. Mm-hmm. That was our first serial killer. And this serial killer is, he could have been a basketball player. He could have been a football player. Mm-hmm. Or even a wrestler in WWF or something, or WWE. Yeah. Big dude. Big dude. He's six foot nine, over 300 pounds. So when you see that, when you think of that, you're like, oh my God, this dude is the real life Jason Voorhees. Mm. He's massive. And we're talking about Edmund Emil Kemper Third, The co-ed killer. Yep. The co-ed killer or some other nicknames like the Mad Titan, something like that. But I think nicknames make these serial killers sound too cool. Yeah. And we don't, don't want to, do you call it? Uh, glorify them. Glorify them, yeah. yeah. All right, Edmund Kemper was born in Burbank, California on December 18th, 1948. He was a middle child and the only son born to Clarnell Elizabeth Kemper and Edmund Emil Kemper Jr. Mm. So uh, Ed, Edmund Jr., which was his father, was a World War II veteran who, after the war, t- tested nuclear weapons in the specific proving grounds. So his... Now... I heard before that he had a really, really high IQ. Edmund Kemper did. Yeah. So is that his dad, I guess, if he was testing? Yeah. Yeah. He got his intelligence from, from his father. father. Yes. He, um, and Edmund Kemper, he had the IQ of 145, which yeah. is crazy. Near genius level. Right. So, I mean, he could have done a lot of stuff. Um, but as as we're going to learn mm-hmm. real quick, um there, he was born not all there, and his. Mo- I, I'm not gonna uh, blame his mother, but she surely did not help <laughs> the situation whatsoever. No, not at all. Um, weighing 13 pounds as a newborn. Golly. Yeah, 13. No pounds. wonder she was so mean. <laughs> Pushing that big a baby out. Yeah, he was a middle child, so she had another one after that. Oh man. Uh, 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 Kemper was a head taller than his peers by the age of four. Wow. Yeah. He, uh, early Can you imagine on, him in peewee football? Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> it's I like said, a high school been, kid tearing through the He would have been great at sports. Little kids. What, what he needed was a coach. Just a coach. Just a, a father-like coach that could, like, you know. Yeah. Be like, you can do it, son. You can do it. But Like his, his very own... Uh, Al Pacino plays in any given Sunday. What's the guy's name in the movie? I have no idea. I don't, I th- We're all way off track here. Sorry. I've only <laughs> seen like the locker room scene of that movie. I've never seen it <laughs> all the way. But um, early on, he exhibited antisocial behaviors, such as cruelty to animals. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of the signs, isn't it? Yeah, that's uh, one of the uh, unholy triads. This one of the part of the triangles. Uh, at the age of 10, he buried a cat alive, mm. and it was his pet cat. Uh, once it died, he dug it up and decapitated it and mounted it on a mount, mounted the head on a spike. Where Where is the parents when all this is happening? Um, Just, I mean, this is in the 60s and 70s, so. Well, no, this is when he was a kid, so even well, Kim, the 50s, wasn't it? Yeah, this, he's born this, in yeah, this is the 50s. Uh, Kemper later stated, stated that he derived pleasure from successfully lying to his family about killing the cat. Okay. Uh, at the age of 13, he killed another family cat when he perceived it to be favoring his younger sister, Al- Aline 
Lee Kemper, born mm-hmm. in 1951, over him. And he kept pieces of it in his closet until his mother found them. Wow. So the first cat he got away with a little bit. I think she did find it later, but, um, yeah, he she found the second one. Yeah. Because, you know, stuff stinks yeah. when you kill it. Yeah. Uh, he also had a very dark fantasy life. Uh, he performed rites with his sister's, young sister's dolls that uh, culminated in his removing their heads and hands on one occasion. Uh, when his elder sister, Susan Hewley Kemper, teased him and asked why he did not try to kiss his teacher, he replied, if I kiss her, I'd have to kill her first. That, uh, <laughs> it's pretty intense. <laughs> uh, yeah. There was no uh, cause for concern then? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, usually the correct response was like, oh, I don't uh, She has cuties. I don't or know. Something, I, or, they, they say that it's hard to tell when you're in that position, you know, like you, you live with that person every day, they they just seem their weird stuff seems normal to you or whatever. But I think I would notice if, if, you know, there was dead cats turning up and talking about killing my teachers and all yeah. that stuff. He also had a two favorite games to play. Um, when he was a child, which was gas chamber and electric chair. Uh, in which he asked his younger sister to tie him up and flip an imaginary switch. All right. He would then tumble over and rise on the floor, pretending that he was being electric executed by gas and inhalation or electric shock. This is a morbid kid. I, I'm pretty sure you should. I don't know. Electric like, chair and gas chamber. I can. That's a little bit more understanding of a child brain or a child, something a child, a normal child will do than killing ki- ki- uh, kittens or cats and uh, cutting heads off of Barbies yeah. and uh, hands. Know. Although I did, I did remove my sister's Ken doll's heads, but it wasn't like I actually like made them fight over like. The affection of Barbie, like two Ken dolls. <laughs> you have like a gladiatorial yeah. arena. Yeah, I did. Oh my god. Yeah. So, so I can understand where Ed's coming from <laughs> with, the, with, with the with the Barbies and stuff. Not me. Uh, he also had a very close to death experience as a child. Oh really? Yes. Uh, his elder sister tried to push him in front of a train. What? Yes. And Are you kidding me? So it, it sounds like he's not. He's not the only, the only one, one with a dark with a dark yeah. uh, thought process. God, that's weird. And another time, she successfully pushed him into the deep end of the swimming pool, where he almost drowned. Okay, now I'm, let's did, look did, into investigate her past. the sisters. Yeah, past. I know. this like, is ridiculous. Maybe she's a killer too, because we don't know about that. Because that's that. I mean, or maybe she just saw evil in him. Maybe like he was. She was like, like you know, like in the Omen, like how he's like. Yeah, he seems like a. You yeah, know, good child, but like some people can sense it. Yeah, like and he, she was just like, I can I sense you're gonna be evil. That's weird. And I, uh, <laughs> uh, he Kemper also had a very close relationship with his father, and was devastated when his parents separated in 1957, right? Causing him to be raised by Clarnell or Clarnell in Hel- Helena, Montana. So, so it's just him and his m- overbearing, mean. Mother now. Yeah. Uh, he had a severely dysfunctional relationship with his mother. Mm. A neurotic, domineering alcoholic who frequently belittled, humiliated, humiliated, and abused him. Right. 
she often made her son sleep in a locked basement because she feared that he would harm his sisters. And by harmed, this is th- th- that is a very very, uh, I guess, PC way of putting that. Yeah. Because she literally thought that he was going to rape his sisters. That's why she put him in the basement. Yeah. This whole family's messed up. To be honest, like, I don't know. I, and and another thing, I how how many of these stories uh, of his past, his childhood, are are confirmed to be real? Because serial killers lie a lot so how much of it could be like him making it up um, to make it seem like you know his sisters were bad th- guys and think, two or i think most of what he said about his childhood not all of it was backed up by his sisters okay i was gonna say yeah like especially the, the games all like the games that they played and and the cat and the gi joe right right the, the barbies i mean uh were back, backed up by the sisters during uh, interviews and stuff and okay. um i'm not 100 percent sure about I'm sure. I'm think. I'm pretty sure that they backed up the mom being at least an alcoholic and belittling oh, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Uh, he was also regularly mocked for his large size. Mm-hmm. He stood six feet four inches by the age of fifteen. Mm. Uh, he, uh, people called him a real weirdo because he was tall. Or no, that I'm sorry. That was his mother. His mother, mother called, called him, him a real weirdo. Oh. Yeah, it's a nice thing to hear from your mom. <laughs> I know. She also refused to show him affection out of fear that she would turn him gay. What? Uh, like you, The audience at home can decide whether or not his mother had anything to do with why he turned, why out, the he turned he out the way he did. I think it was a big contributing factor, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, she told uh, Ed... Kemper that he re- that she reminded him of his father mm-hmm. and that no woman would ever love him. Damn. Yeah. She, uh, Kemper later in interviews described her as a sick, angry woman. Mm. And it, it's also believed that she did suffer from borderline personality disorder. Right. But that has, that's no excuse to treat your, treat your child this way. Right. Um, at the age of 14, Kemper ran away from home in an attempt to reconcile with his father in Van Niles, California. Mm. Uh, once there, he learned that his father had remarried and had a stepson. So. Wow, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, wanted to go live with his dad, and he's already he has, forgotten him. He has a replacement, a replacement family. Uh, Kemper stayed with his father for a short while until the elder Kemper sent him away to live with his paternal grandparents. Mm. Um, the story behind that is the his wife didn't feel comfortable with him. Yeah, a lot of people didn't feel comfortable. He would around. stand in the doorway mm-hmm. and like block it to where she couldn't get by. Yeah, and like I don't know, just like breathe heavy and like look at her and stare at her and it made her feel really uncomfortable. Yeah, so she went him away. So she's like, please send him away. Um, he they lived. Uh, his grandparents lived on a ranch in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains. Hmm. On Road 224, about two miles west of town of North North Fork, California. Hmm. Uh, Kemper hated living in North Fork. He described his grandfather as senile and said that his grandmother was constantly emasculating me and my grandfather. Well, if his mom's like that, it would make sense that his uh, 
grandma would be like that too. Yes, but that's his dad's mom. Oh, so I it? guess yeah. Okay. Th- they're pretty much like you know that saying that sons look for their mothers yeah. or their spouses. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so he made friends with uh, for a short while with David Mike Dozier, who lived a short distance away mm. and was about the same age. Uh, according to Dozier and his mother Elena, he stopped spending time with Kemper, whom he called Guy, after Elena's mother's cat and her pillowcase went missing. Wow. So a lot of people around him were already like seriously suspecting or creeped out or uncomfortable or whatever. Yeah. Just nobody wanted to figure out what was going on or what? <laughs> Take him to a doctor or... Uh, um, as a curiosity, Dozier gave his future wife a 50-cent piece that had the e- eye of an eagle precisely drilled out by Kemper. Mm. So, all right. that That's pretty much his childhood right now, and we're going to go right into his very first murder. Yep. Was, was at the age of 15. Yep. Very close to home, too. At uh, On August 27th. 1964, at the age of 15, Kemper was sitting at the kitchen table with his grandmother, Maud Matilda Hewley Kemper, hmm. born 1897. Wow. Whew. When they had an argument, enraged. 1897. Yeah. Enraged, wow. Kemper stormed off and retrieved a rifle that his grandfather had given him for hunting. Hmm. The rifle had been confiscated because he used it to needlessly shoot animals. So he would like literally yeah. go out there and kill animals for no fucking reason. Yeah. He then re-entered the kitchen and fatally shot his grandmother in the head before firing twice more into her back and then stabbing her multiple times. Yeah, that, uh... His, uh, his grandmother's last words were, Oh, you'd better not be shooting those birds again. Wow. As she was dying? No, no, right before she, he went out there. Oh, okay. Oh, right, he went and shot her. Uh, when Kemper's grandfather got home, Edmund Emil Kemper Sr., born 1892, mm. returned from grocery shopping, Kemper went outside and fatally shot him in the drive, driveway next to his car. He was unsure of what to do next, so he phoned his mother, who told him to contact the local police so Kemper called the police and waited to be taken into custody. I f- I feel like <laughs> I feel like he probably shouldn't have gotten out. <laughs> oh, we're gonna get to that. I, I, we're I, gonna get yeah, to that. I feel like this is uh this was definitely some uh, incompetence <clears throat> going on here. All right. After his arrest, Kemper was asked why he did it. Mm-hmm. You know, like they always do. Like, why did you do this and stuff? Yeah. He said, and I quote. Just wanted to see what it felt like to kill Grandma. Wow. Yep. yep. And why he killed his grandfather is so he would not have find find out that his wife was dead. So, and that he would be angry with Kemper for what he had done. Well, that's weird. He was concerned about his grandpa being angry? Angry. And, at him. And he didn't want him to see that his wife was dead. So he just killed him. And... Quick note: Maud was working on a children's book. She was—that's what she was at the dining room or the dining room table, kitchen oh, table that's with. A mess. She up. was finishing up a children's book. She uh, was reviewing it before sending it off, and he sucks. just blew her brains right out right out on them. That's messed up. I wonder if they released it. 
I don't know. I'll have to look Ooh. it up. Um, okay. So he was uh, sent to a psychiatric uh, hospital. Uh, he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenic, and they sent him to Alzacradio State Hospital. Mm. A maximum security facility that houses mentally ill convicts. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, this is where he really turns in to pure evil. Mm. So, during his time at this hospital, he was initially IQ tested, and his IQ was at 136 at this time. So... 15 years old has an IQ of 136. That's outrageous. Mm -hmm. Um, So he got re-diagnosed after after a little bit, and he got personality trait disturbance and passive-aggressive type. So, which means he... He basically tricked them into thinking that he was good to go, or... um, no, it's more like he wasn't paranoid schizophrenic. He just he uh-huh. had like he had a personality trait disorder. Basically, it was like something's wrong with his personality. He's a psychopath or a yeah. sociopath, whichever one. <clears throat> but he was the passive aggressive type, so that means like maybe like I think like he's passive aggressive, but I don't think coming in and blowing your grandma's head off is passive aggressive. Passive aggressive, at aggressive all. no. Uh later on in his time he was given another IQ test, which gave him a very high result of one forty five. So basically he endeared himself to his psychiatrist, yep. um, being a model prisoner and was trained to administer psychiatric tests on other inmates. Really? Yeah. Wow. One of his psychiatrists later said he was a very good worker and this is not a t- not typical of a sociopath. He really took pride in his work. Most CEOs are sociopaths. Really? Yeah. Why? Like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, they're sociopaths. They just It's because you can't have remorse in business. You have uh, to like backstab and connive. It's like Game of Thrones, but like corporate level. Huh. So Yeah, no, you can't you can't be like you can't have feelings in business, basically. Um <clears throat> basically he would talk to and these people in this hospital, criminal hospital there's rapists, mm-hmm. murderers. And one of the big things that he learned in this hospital with these patients is if you're going to rape somebody, don't leave any evidence. Mm-hmm. Or not evidence. Don't leave anybody alive to tell the tale, basically. Mm-hmm. Don't have any witnesses. Right. So he was being taught, basically, by rapists, by murderers, how to, to, get, away how to get away with it, how, what they did wrong. He Jeez. was looking at what they did wrong. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, I can. Analyzing I can, it. Yeah. So basically, he <laughs> he tricked he tricked them on his twenty first birthday, December eighteenth, nineteen sixty nine. He was released. Oh my god! Because they assumed he was cured. I'm sure he he literally his such high intelligence high intelligence. He gave them what they wanted. He told them he like he was being he, trained as a psychiatrist. He is the epitome of fake it till you make it. He is the epitome of like, like I don't know, like I don't know. He's he's like a freaking Batman villain, really. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like the a Riddler super, or something. Super intelligent 
Batman villain or like a Doctor Evil type thing. Yeah, like he he like reading about him and studying him and everything, it makes you think. Like obviously, there's other serial killers like him. There there are there's other intelligent serial killers. If he had turned that to something that didn't involve killing people, (laughs) yeah. If he like Like, I said, if he would have went into business, I mean, he God, he could have been. He I mean, he he had the intelligence to do everything. Um, basically, he missed the the '60s, the the flower love child, the hippie stage. Yeah, that was all done. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and uh, so he got out right. He missed everything, and they literally told him, they recommended for him not to go back with his mother. Mm not to live with his mother at all. Right. Um so when he got out he went to live with his mother. <laughs> yep, they uh really did a good job, didn't they? <laughs> Don't send him to his mom. It's probably not a good idea based on his past track record. He probably shouldn't even be out anyway, but definitely don't send him to his mom's. All right, y'all, I'm going to my mom's. All right, see you later. Oh, God. All right. So, between May 1972 and April 1973, Kemper killed eight people. So, he already has mm. two under his belt. Yeah, so ten it's, total. So, the, he's killed ten people, you know. Uh, he would pick up female students who were hic- hitchhiking and take them to isolated areas where he would shoot them, stab them, smother, or strangle them. Which is why he's called the co-ed killer. Yep. He would take their bodies back to his home. Where he decapitated them, before uh, performed sex sexual it, acts on the severed heads. I'm sorry, I might be getting him mixed up with somebody else, but is he the one that, um, like his his first few kills were like practice for his mm. the one we're going to get to, or no? It, basically, with serial killers like uh, Ted Bundy, like let's use Ted Bundy as an example. Ted Bundy killed a certain type of victim. Mm. Uh, brown hair with a part parted down the middle mm. it's because when he uh his girlfriend rejected him mm. and her hair was brown hair parted mm. down the middle so oh, okay. he killed those people gotcha he edmund kemper is killing surrogates for the person he truly wants to kill mm-hmm. uh he'd have sexual intercourse with their corpses and then dismember them so he during his 11-month murder spree, mm. he killed five college students, one high school student, and his mother. Also, his mother's best friend. So, let's get into the victims. All right? Yep, let's hear it. Mary Ann Peich and Anita Lachuza. Mm-hmm. May 7th, 1972. This one, I'm sorry, I know I keep interrupting you, but this one for sure could have been prevented. <laughs> if they would have kept it, him in jail, yeah. No, I'm talking about like the, the when he, all right, I don't want to spoil nothing, sorry. Right. I'll, I'll, we'll talk about it after. Uh, May 7th, 1972, Kemper was driving in Berkeley, California when he picked up two 18-year-old hitchhiking students from Fresno State University, Marianne Peisch and Anita Mary Lechuza with the pretense of taking them to Stanford University. After driving for an hour, he managed to reach a secluded wooded area near Almeda, California, 
which he was very familiar with because he worked at the highway department without alerting his passengers that he had changed directions from where they wanted to go. Mm. So he knew the area very well. He he kind of like changed directions, went back the other way. They didn't know. Yeah. It was there that he handcuffed Paish and locked Lachusa in the trunk, then stabbed and strangled Paish to death, subsequent, subsequently killing Lachusa in the same similar manner. Kemper later confessed that while handcuffing Paish, he pressed, brushed the back of his hand against one of her breasts. And he kind of panicked. And it embarrassed him. Oh, really? Adding that he said, whoops, I'm sorry, or something like that. And then he kills her? That yeah. is so weird. See, with him, he says this shit all the time when he talks about his victims, right? Mm-hmm. He says something like, oh, well, like when he was going to stab somebody, one of the, his famous quotes is, when you stab somebody, they're supposed to die. Mm. And he's like, but when I stab them, you sort of leak. And he's like, and the more times I stabbed her, the more times I stabbed her. And she went to fall back, and he couldn't stab her in the chest because her breasts were there. Oh, wow. So, so he was just stabbing her in the stomach? Yeah, he was like trying to hurt her. Like yeah, He's like, I didn't want to hurt her. And he also, but he did want to hurt her. He also slit her throat, mm. and that's where the term ear-to-ear comes from because you literally have to cut mm. from the carotid to the jugular right and um <clears throat> it's just i th- he says it for our benefit he says it because it's the right thing to say well like oops you know like yeah. i'm embarrassed i took your boob oh i don't want to stab you in the chest because your boobs are there well, they don't they don't have empathy they yeah like they don't yeah he's feel normal feelings yeah but it, it it's it's bullshit like he's literally despite he murdered her minutes later yeah. after he touched her boob right Kemper put both body, women's bodies in the trunk of his Ford Galaxy mm-hmm. and returned to his apartment. He was stopped on the way home this by a was police officer yeah. for having a broken taillight. But the officer did not detect the corpses in the car. Kemper's roommate was not at home, so he took the bodies into his apartment, where he photographed and had sexual intercourse with their naked corpses before Ugh. dismembering them. He then put the body parts in plastic bags bags which he later abandoned near luma perita mountain before disposing of paisha's and lechuza's severed heads in a ravine kemper engaged in oral sex with both of their skulls god in august of that year paisha's skull was found on luma perita mountain an extensive search failed to turn up the rest of paisha's remains and a trace of Lachusa. Lachusa was never found to this day. Really? Yeah. He, would he never tell anybody where she was at, or he forgot, or what? No, he told them where he was. It's just they could find her. Like wild animals could have taken oh, her off yeah, and maybe. eaten her, and anything could have happened. Oh. He could have like tossed them different places. There's, right. I mean, the, I'm sure that mountain's huge. Yeah, the ravine's huge. Okay, his next victim, Ekio mm. Ku. Uh, on the evening of September 14th, 1972, Kemper picked up a 15-year-old dance student God. named Akiko Ku, who had decided to hitchhike to a dance class after missing her bus. He again drove to a remote area, where he pulled a gun on Ku before accidentally locking himself out of the car. Oh, wow. However, Ku let him back inside despite the fact that the gun was still in the car. Really? Yeah. He locked... Basically, he took her hostage and said, I'm going to kill myself. I want someone to witness it. 
Okay. And so he she, this 15-year-old girl scared to death. Yeah. Terrified. So he goes there, and he goes to get out of the car. He put he leaves the gun in there. He locks himself out of the car. This is not a man that rings to me high IQ. Yeah. And he knocked on the window and was like, you know, let me back in. Please, please let me back in. And she unlocked the door, let him back in. And once back inside, he choked her unconscious, raped her, and then killed her. Wow. Uh, Kemper packed Ku's body into the trunk of his car and went to a nearby bar to have a few drinks. Then returned to his apartment. He later confessed that exiting the bar, he opened the trunk of his car to admire his catch like a fisherman. Wow. This dude's sick. Yeah, he is. Uh, anybody could have seen him. Yeah. Like, where are all these people? Like, in freaking 2022, mm-hmm. you can't even, like, wipe your ass without mm-hmm. someone tweeting about it. Yep. I don't know. <sighs> this is why, like, I, this is why we don't have serial killers now. Because yeah. Yeah. a I lot so nosier too. now. It's not only that, it's just the way that uh, DNAs come. Yeah. The technology for that. Back at his apartment, he had sexual intercourse with a corpse again. Then dismembered and disposed of the remains in a similar manner as his previous two victims. Ku's mother called the police to report the disappearance of her daughter and put up hundreds of flowers, fl- flowers, <laughs> flyers asking for information, mm. but she did not receive any response regarding her daughter's location or status. Mm. I can only imagine what she's feeling. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Cindy Shaw, his third victim, or fourth victim, as his fourth new victim, mm-hmm. not including his mother, or his grandmother and his father, grandfather. On January 7th, 1973, Kemper, who had moved back in with his mother at this point, <laughs> was driving around the Cambrillo College campus where he picked up an 18-year-old student, Cynthia and Cindy Shaw. He drove to a wooded area, fatally shot her with a 22 pistol, mm. then he placed her body in the trunk of his car and drove to his mother's house, where he kept her body hidden in a closet in his room overnight. What? Yeah. When his mother left for the next morning... He had sexual intercourse with her, with her, removed the bullet from Shaw's corpse, and then dismembered and decapitated her in his mother's bathtub. Why did his mother let him move back in? I don't know. She knows that she killed his grandparents, I think and she doesn't like him. She I, made his childhood hell, basically, and now he, she just lets him move back in after he killed his grandparents? That doesn't make sense to me. I think she needed someone to torment oh okay she is a very uh bitter woman right wasn't happy unless and, somebody else was unhappy type yeah deal. Uh, oh my god so uh kemper kept shaw's severed head for several days regularly engaging in uh like oral sex with mm-hmm. it then buried it in his mother's garden facing upward toward her bedroom after he was arrested, he did this because his mother always wanted people to look up to her. Wow. Yeah. That's a, uh interesting point of view, I guess. Yep. He discarded the rest of Shaw's remains by throwing them off a cliff over, over the course of the following few weeks. All except her head and the right hand were, dis- re- were discovered. Mm-hmm. They, and they pieced them back like a macabre jigsaw puzzle. Wow. Yep. Um, the pathologist determined that Shaw had been cut into pieces with a power saw. Right. All right. His next victims, Rosaline Thrope and Allison Liu. 
On February 5, 1973, after a heated argument with his mother, Kemper left his house in search of possible victims. With heightened suspicion of a serial killer preying on hitchhikers in the Santa Cruz area, students were advised to only ride or only accept rides with university stickers on them. Kemper oh, had been able no. to obtain such a sticker <sighs> as his mother worked for the at the University of California in Santa Cruz. That sucks. Yes. He encountered 23-year-old Rosalind Heather Thrope and 20-year-old Allison Helen Allison Alice Hel- Helen Allison Liu on the UCSC campus. According to Kemper, Thrope entered his car, car entered his car first, reassuring Liu to also enter. He first fatally shot Thrope and then Liu with his twenty two pistol and wrapped their bodies in blankets. Kemper again brought his victims back to his mother's house. This time he beheaded them in his car in full view of everyone that would be on that street. Someone could have walked by and, and seen just, him cutting them off. Yeah. No one even seen anything. Uh, he ridiculous. brought them into... He carried the headless corpse uh, corpses into his mother's house to have sexual intercourse with them. He then dismembered the bodies, removed the bullets to prevent identification, and discarded the remains the next morning. Some remains were found at Eden Cannon a week later, and more were found near Highway 1 in March. Wow. Uh, when questioned in an interview to why he decapitated his victims, he explained mm-hmm. that the head trip fantasies were a bit like a trophy. You know, the head is where everything is at. The brain, the eyes, the mouth. That's the person. Remember being told as a kid you cut off the head and the body dies? The body is nothing after the head is cut off. Well, that's not quite true. There's a lot left in a girl's body without the head. Ugh. God. No one said that uh, he wasn't a sicko. Yeah, that's <laughs> All right. right. Uh, his next and final victims, Clarnell Kemper Strandberg. His own mama. And Sally Hallett. On April 20th, 1973, after coming home from a party, 52-year-old Carnell, Clarnell Elizabeth Stromberg Kemper, and she remarried, mm. awakened her son with her arrival. While sitting in her bed reading a book, she noticed Kemper standing or entering her room and said to him, I suppose you're going to want to sit up all night and talk now. Kemper replied, No, good night. Then he waited for her to fall asleep, snuck back into her room, and bludgeoned her with a claw hammer and mm. slit her throat with a penknife. He then decapitated her, made her or uh, engaged in uh, oral sex with her severed head. Ugh, God. Yep, and then used it as a dartboard. Ridiculous. Kemper stated that he put her head on a shelf and screamed at it for an hour, throwing darts at it. Now we know definitely (laughs) that his mother was definitely a sore point with him. Yeah, and ultimately smashed her face in. He also cut out her tongue and larynx and put them in the garbage disposal. However, the garbage disposal could not break down the tough vocal cords and ejected the tissue back into the sink. Ew. He later said, That seemed appropriate, as much as she bitched and screamed and yelled at me also over so many years. Right. Uh, Kemper then hid his, hid his mother's corpse into the closet and went to go drink at a nearby bar. I think there's a lesson to be learned here. Be nice to your kids. <laughs> Because <laughs> they might just turn out to be serial killers, and you yeah. might be next. 
Uh, upon his return, he invited his mother's best friend, 59-year-old Sarah Taylor Sally Hallett, over to the house to have dinner and watch a movie. When Hallett arrived, Kemper strangled her to death to create a cover story that his mother and Hallett had gone away together on vacation. He then put Hallett's corpse in the closet and obscured any outward signs of disturbance. I left a note to the police. It read, approximately 5.15 a.m. Saturday, no need for her to suffer anymore at the hands of this horrible murderous butcher it was quick asleep the way i wanted it not sloppy incomplete gents just a lack of time i got things to do wow afterwards kemper like a moriarty type dude just leaving like little notes afterward kemper fled the scene he drove non-stop to pueblo california or colorado uh-huh. Taking caffeine, pe- pink, the caffeine pills to stay awake for over a thousand miles journey. Mm-hmm. He had three guns and hundreds of rounds of ammunition in his car and believed he was a target of an active manhunt. So he thought he was like on FBI's most wanted yeah. list. After not hearing any news on the radio about the murders of his <laughs> They still haven't noticed anything yet. Or Hallett. <laughs> When he arrived, they're so Playboy, far behind the eight ball. It's not even funny. He found a phone booth and called the police. Oh, he got bored. Yeah, he got tired of waiting. He confessed to the murders of his mother and Hallett, oh but the police God. did not take him seriously and hung up. No. Oh, <laughs> he man. had to call three times before they took, took him, him seriously. seriously. Jeez. Several hours later, Kemper <laughs> freaking called again and asked to speak to an officer he personally knew. He confessed to the officer about killing his mother and Hallett, and then waited for the police to arrive and take him into custody, where he also confessed to the murders of six other students. So, he's like what you hear a lot about serial killers. He he wanted the attention. He he, he wanted, wanted to. He like he liked playing the game. Apparently, the whole cat and mouse type deal, but it got boring because nobody was really looking for him. Yeah. And there's a reason why, with John Wayne Gacy, we went through the police. Mm-hmm. Because John Wayne Gacy, yes, he was outward and outgoing, and he had a persona to uh, like that. But, but the police were on to him. Yeah. I they, mean, he, yeah, he they, killed he was being 30 people, but he was being investigated. Quite a few times. He'd been interviewed and stuff. Edmund Kemper, the police that were tracking these co-ed murders, they had no idea. He... Uh, went to he uh, he frequented a bar mm-hmm. called the a police, jury room, a police bar, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, the jury, the jury room. I think that's what it yeah. was. And would talk to the police openly about the cases. Yeah, and everybody liked Big Ed. Yeah, Big Ed. He was he was the kind of guy. He was a police groupie, is what they called him. <laughs> and and that didn't ring any alarm bells. No, at all. They thought he was a doofus. They thought he was a big, tall doofus. Oh, and he was out murdering people and was brilliant, really, in IQ level. Yeah. Wow. But uh, no, Ed. He also wanted the acknowledgement. Like this is what I did. I outsmarted everyone. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, uh, he said that uh, the original. Uh, purpose was gone after he turned himself in. Uh, he wasn't serving any physical or real or emotional purpose. He was a pure waste of time. Emotionally, I couldn't handle it much longer. Toward the end there, I started to fe- feeling of the folly of the whole damn thing at the point of near exhaustion, near collapse. So I said the hell of it, hell with it and called it all off. So we got burnt out or... 
He he killed what he was like. All the, the, the murders of his mom were a surrogate for his mother. Yeah. And when he finally got to kill his mother, he's like, he, he was like, okay, my yeah. Then why kill his best friend though? Just to set up the alibi, right? He didn't. Later on, he said he didn't want her to miss her his her his mother. Oh, this dude, he's a liar. He, I know he has a weird, and he does have different stories for every like he. Yeah. It's they're not completely different, but he does know how to. He he reads his audience mm-hmm. and he tells you what you want to hear. Yeah, it's not like he doesn't get newspaper. You didn't get newspapers and stuff. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna move on to the trial because it's pretty interesting. Kemper was indicted on eight counts of first-degree murder on the Mar- on May seventh, nineteen seventy-three. Because he'd already gotten charged for his grandparents' murder, so it would only yeah. Have been but the that eight. was expunged. Really? Yeah. They they thought that he was so and oh, so he really had like no negative fallout at all for killing his grandparents other than being in this facility for a couple years. Um, he didn't know how to socialize with people. Right. And that's that's one of well, the Well, apparently he did. Yeah. If he's hanging out at cop bars and talking to cops and everybody liked him. I guess women, I guess, would be the thing. Uh, he was assigned a chief public defender of Santa Cruz, uh, an attorney named Jim Jackson. Mm. Due to Kemper's explicit and detailed confession, his counselor's only option was to plead not guilty by reason of insanity. Yeah, there's really nowhere you can go F after yeah. that. Uh, Kemper twice tried to commit suicide in custody. He went to trial uh, on October 23, 1973. Uh, three court-appointed psychiatrists found Kemper to be legally sane. Yeah. Um, At least they did their jobs a little bit better than the last ones did. <laughs> Dr. Joel Fort was the one of the ones that investigated his juvenile records and diagnosis that uh, was once psychotic. Fort also interviewed Kemper under truth serum. What? Uh, something pentatol. Uh, I can't. It's 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 not technically. It just makes you complete or really suggestive, like susceptible to suggestion. And Harry Potter fans would say veritaserum. Um, no, I think it's just truth serum. But yeah, he related to the court that Kemper had engaged in cannibalism, alleging that he sliced flesh off the legs of his victim, then cooked and consumed these strips in a flesh casserole. What? He said that he admitted to cannibalism. He would cut he didn't, did he? skins off. I don't think he's refuted it. Huh. So, um, I mean... He did all the kinds of other disgusting things to the body. Oh, wait, no. He did. He later recanted the confession. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds like he was just trying to make it even more shocking and gruesome than it already was. People were getting bored with just the regular old murders, so now I've got to add cannibalism to the mix. Yeah, so... um, So, basically, uh, he was found guilty, obviously, Mm -hmm. um, on November 8th, 1973, and... Six men and six women jury deliberated for five hours before declaring Kemper sane and guilty of all counts. Mm-hmm. He asked for the death penalty, requesting death by torture. Wow, this guy is a he weirdo. Is, he is. God. A real weirdo. <laughs> I guess his mother was right. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh... So, the, uh... Apparently, the capital punishment was suspended across the country by the Supreme Court mm. of California or across the state, the Supreme Court of 
California decided that capital punishment was not the greatest, so they suspended it for the time. Mm-hmm. So he received seven years to life for each count, with these terms to be served concurrently, and was sentenced to the California medical facility. And I guess he wasn't happy with that if he tried to kill himself several times. Uh, well, that was during the trial. Well, that, and he wanted to go to the... He wanted the death sentence. Yeah, he so obviously really didn't want to be alive anymore. Yeah. Um, he went along, and he was considered a model citizen or model prisoner. Mm-hmm. He was uh, basically the same as he was the first time. Yeah, it may be figured if it if it worked once, it'd work again probably. Well, he also participated in a number of interviews, including a segment in a 1982 documentary, Killing of America, The Killing of America, mm-hmm. as well as an appearance in a 1984 documentary, Murder, No Apparent Motive. He was also uh, featured in Mindhunter as yeah. well. Yeah. His, yeah. Um, yeah. He also contributed in the understanding of the mind of serial killers. FBI profiler John Doug- Douglas described Kemper as among the brightest prison inmates he had ever ever interviewed mm-hmm. and capable of rare insight for a violent criminal. Right. Violent criminal. So, um, that, um, him interviewing a lot he is probably i think he has the most interviews out of any serial killer and that's including ted bundy jeffrey dahmer jeffrey dahmer did a two-hour interview mm-hmm. i think he has like eight hours of interview time wow. edmund kemper does and he just loves to talk yeah uh and pretty much he's still alive he's still in prison um he's 73 years old today so so he, he could Technically, you could hear this podcast. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess. <laughs> it's kind of weird to think about, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Sitting here talking about somebody and they could be listening right now. Um, so, he has, uh, I guess, there's been a movies about him, obviously. Mm-hmm. He a lot of TV up, shows, documentaries and stuff like that, too. Uh, Kemper, the co-ed killer was a TV movie that was loosely based on Kemper murders. Uh, it was in 2008. Um, I mean, just it's mind Hunter, obviously that, and the guy who plays him does a really good job, does a really good job. I mean, he doesn't look exactly like him, but it's pretty damn close. Mm -hmm. Gets the uh, way of talking down really well too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you have any, did you have any like little tidbits you wanted to, you wanted to throw out there? Um, I mean, you pretty much covered all of it. Um, I just I can't to me it's beyond belief that he uh he got away with some of the stuff that he did. He was he was cocky. Like yeah, he, he was. just did not he thought he was smarter than everybody else and he was going to be out go out to prove it. My thing is the police had no idea that Mm-mm. it was him. Nope. So he literally could have just kept on killing. I guess he didn't he didn't want to. Uh, he, obviously yeah, he didn't want to, but I mean if he had had I mean he could have put up like John Wayne Gacy numbers and at Ted Mundy like 30s up in the 30s I wonder because it was 11 months and like they had not caught on yeah if he would have kept killing and killing he probably would have entered the berserk mode a lot faster mm. which is when a serial killer just loses their fucking mind and just starts spree killing right with like no like not even worried about covering it up or nothing yeah kind of like Ted Bundy did in Florida where he went into a sorority house and just killed a shitload of people in mm-hmm. one day yeah. Yeah. So 
That's it is a good dad. Yeah. Um, I mean, you guys can decide. I really, truly think that he was born this way, but his mother really didn't help. Mm-hmm. His mother was... I'm not saying she deserved to be murdered at all, but <laughs> it the world probably didn't. I mean, her daughters missed her, but I'm sure everybody else didn't miss her. I mean, she was... I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't say that if I was Edwin... Or if I was in that situation, I would kill my mom too. No, no, yeah, I would definitely, definitely not. not live with her, and I wouldn't have any. I, th- I just keep going back to the fact that they dropped the ball so many times on that. On that, it's it's ridiculous. Well, I have a little tidbit for you. He tried to join the California Highway Patrol. Okay. Yeah, he, he did. He worked on the on the. Uh, he worked in the, the highway, highway department, department, but he applied to be a state patrol chips. Yeah, chips uh, officer. You know the ones oh, that ride okay. the motorcycles. Yeah, yeah. But he thought it's because they found out about him murdering his grandparents. So he wanted to join the police force so he could get like inside information or what? No, he just wanted to be a police officer. A lot oh. of times, serial killers want a point of authority, yeah. kind of like Dennis Radar or. Uh, Gacy, how he was uh, friends with a lot of... He was in politics. Yeah, a lot of politic, poli- politicians and stuff like that. Yeah. So he wanted power, right. and so he wanted to be an officer. Mm-hmm. But he thought it was because of his uh, the murders of his grandfather and grandma. It wasn't. He was just too tall. Mm. So That's it? Yeah, he was too tall. He was six foot nine. Uh, the average height... I think the height description is like 5'11", 6 foot. Uh-huh. I think somewhere around there. But, um, or I don't know, six foot nine is just too big to be on a motorcycle. Yeah. Um, I think your freaking feet will be <laughs> flying down behind you or <laughs> yeah. something. But, Dragging uh, on the road. He, uh, they also, police also, um, found out because when, when files are expunged, they're back then, they're literally just crossed out with a marker. Mm-hmm. So they found out that Ed Kemper was, uh, a felon where he killed his grandparents. He's like, Hey, you guys know that Ed Kemper killed his grandparents mm-hmm. with a gun and they're like oh weird and he's like well it says here he has a uh, 45 mm. caliber weapon so they registered went, to him so they went there and asked for his weapon mm-hmm. and he almost said which one Ooh. like which gun mm-hmm. but he was just like what gun and he's like oh you're 45 and he's like oh okay and then he went to go get the gun so that's also i think a contributing factor why he killed his mother because he knew that he was like, oh, the police were on me. He's very paranoid. That he wanted to make sure that yeah. he killed her before he got caught. Yeah. No. So, but no, they were just coming to get the gun because he wasn't supposed to have it. We will never understand what goes through a serial killer's mind. Uh, he also thinks he's very special mm-hmm. that he is uh, the smartest killer. Uh, he also did a lot of audiobooks too. Didn't he? Uh, he he give opinions on other serial killers as well. Like uh, his like how he would do it in their situation type deals or was that no that's Ted Bundy okay Ted Bundy did that oh that's right yeah, yeah. Um, no he he really helped out the FBI profilers and stuff yeah get he, it he basically when you talk to him you become friends he's very charming mm, well charismatic they gotta yeah. be yeah really. and he also um, also if you got into the car with him he gave hundreds of rides to people mm-hmm. without killing them yeah. During his killing spree. Yeah, that's one of the things I was going to mention is the fact that he, he would sometimes, like give like you said, give rides and, and not kill them. Like the way, you know, he 
would be able to kill some people with no remorse whatsoever, yeah. but like let other people live. A lot of times, if you talked about the serial killer, if you talked about the co-ed killer, mm. he let you live. Really? Yeah. If you talked, because he, he said so it was an embarrassing. Eager, uh, embarrassing? He was too embarrassed to kill them because they talked about the co-ed killer. Oh, my God. He is so full of yeah, shit. Yeah, this guy's a liar for he, sure. He's he's a full of shit killer, and he's not special. The, obviously, there's numerous serial killers out there that are famous. And they've already... And who have killed more. So, I mean, yeah, they weren't going to catch him at all until he turned himself in. But there's other serial killers that still haven't been caught. Zodiac killer still hasn't been caught to this day. I thought they uh, finally figured out who that it's was. It's not verified. They have a, a strong suspicion that it's him, but I don't. I don't think it's verified yet. I'm not. I'm not reporting on it, and we're not doing a podcast on it until or an episode on it until it's very completely 100 percent verified. No. I'm not going to be the dumbass that's like, oh, we we got this, uh, yeah, and stuff, and it turns out to be like not him, yeah. But uh, they just recently caught the Golden State Killer. Yeah. I know. And that was like 30 years yeah, ago. It's, now it's, he was, it's almost too late. He's looks yeah. like he's about to die in the trial. Yeah. So, um, like I said, there's been people that have gotten away with a lot more, a lot more murders. Uh, he's not special. He He's not even the smartest serial killer. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even have that going. He's the tallest one, though. Yeah. He is the tallest one that we know of. I mean, there could be like a seven foot four killer out there. We have no idea. Maybe. Um, so, yep, that was Edmund Kemper. Um, that was that was like I mean I, we went through it pretty fast but I don't know, I feel like it was a yeah. decent went through his decent birth of childhood information murders and yeah. capture yeah. and trial covered everything yeah um, if you guys want to listen to a snippet of his audiobook it is on YouTube it's uh, flowers in the attic he there's four, about yeah, a forty six minute or forty six second video of him reading chapter one so and he does do audiobooks and also um. Not the people promoting. No, 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 no. <laughs> you could go listen to. But I mean, he did have a really nice reading voice. Um, also, if you wrote, if you he answered every letter that had ever been written to him. Really, he never he never answered in uh, handwritten, but he typed hmm. typed all of them. So, uh, but he doesn't answer anymore. Just too old, or that I just don't think he wants to anymore. How come they don't interview them anymore? Um, I think it's because, if I had to guess, I think it's because they don't want to promote yeah, that's more what serial I was girls coming. Why? I mean, tr- true crime, uh, they've got documentaries all the time where they're talking about serial killers and stuff. Yeah. I it's mean, it's just, still something. It's more difficult to get to them now, obviously because of COVID. Yeah. And uh, another thing is just because, I mean, he's, he's probably just he's old. old news. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's 73 years old. He killed back like 40 years ago, like yeah. 40 years ago when the killing happened. So yeah. it's not like he's, you know, like, oh, there's a big thing. I mean, if he turns out that there's more of his victims were found, then maybe they'd go back and be like, hey, we found these victims and here we go. Right. But uh, no, I just think it's because it's he's been interviewed to death and he's just one of the big boys and everything else. But uh, I don't know if you think... Uh, do you think that he would be technically the real life Jason Voorhees? Well, yeah, he's huge. Yeah, but he's, I mean, well, the, not the unkillable part, but no. I mean, and the mask part. But I mean, like the his the bigness, stature, yeah, stature and stuff. But uh, yeah, 
So next week we're going to are we going to release two episodes next week? Um, I don't know. Yeah, because we're creepy. doing the creepy pasta for one and urban legends. Yeah, the urban legends one. for the other one. Yeah, so it's going to be two next week, so we can catch up. And then the following week after that will be our one-year anniversary episode. Yes, I'm so excited. It's going to be a very special episode, so you guys cannot miss it. Um, follow the link below to get to all our social media. And if you want to email us uh, and, yeah, give us a five-star rating, that'd be awesome, too. Absolutely. We appreciate it. It's a five-star rating. It's on Spotify now, too, mm-hmm. so you can rate it. Yeah. So we appreciate you guys, and we'll see you next week for Creepypasta and Urban Legends. Thanks for listening.